Hey everyone, how's it going? Welcome to another episode of the SQ Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Steve Sales, and I'm the worst. I know. Um, my last upload was September 17th, and today is... I don't even want to look. October 21st. Nice. So that happened. I'm again, I'm, I'm just the worst. Uh, so I, I don't know. I gotta, I gotta start uploading more consistently, I guess. But then again, what am I ever going to change? So who knows? Anyways, I'm back. That's all that matters, right? Uh, I guess I missed a lot of stuff, which I could have talked about. Uh, so content, I don't want to say is dry, but perhaps a little irrelevant or out of date. Um, I figured today I will talk about the remaining undefeated teams in the NFL. Just kind of the, I wanted to talk about more about the general landscape of what the league looks like right now, but I figured I'd just ease myself back into the game, you know, because obviously a month of not talking to myself for an hour is it's such a large gap that I need to, uh, build myself back up to where I'm doing an hour long podcast, obviously. Uh, anyway, so I'll do that, and then I'll talk about the firings that we've had already, and perhaps the one that should have happened by now. And then I'll do, I'll just do a quick little NBA Finals thing, I guess, even though I'm uh, yet again a, a couple weeks late on that. Um, yeah, so we'll just I'll just get going with that. So it was so the Lakers won the finals. Um, I can't say I I wasn't disappointed because. You know, like everybody else, I'm not exactly a huge Lakers fan. But at the end of the day, you know, kudos to them for w winning the NBA Finals is hard. Oh, I only missed this by a week. No, I didn't. Did I? Yeah. No, I guess I did. Um, winning the NBA Finals is hard. And I, some people may be willing to give it an asterisk, but I'm willing to concede that also living an isolated life from the outside world for the better part of what would have been, what, three months? That's also got to be really hard, too. So I'm sure there were certainly there were tolls taken on the players that didn't manifest themselves in a wear and tear the way you might when you're flying across the country like the Lakers and the Heat would have been every other day. Um, it was a fun series to watch. Um, obviously, you know, it, it really did suck that Bam was out for a little bit there and Dragic basically didn't play at all. But again, what are you going to do? Like, I'm not going to I'm not going to fault the Lakers for winning a series because the guys that they were playing couldn't play like that. That's not the Lakers fault. It's the same thing. Like I'm not necessarily going to hold it against the heat. I, I don't hold it against the warriors that they lost in 2019, because again, the, the way their roster was constructed when you lose KD, they're already down a ton. And then you lose clay. It's like, I don't know what more you want from them. Like I will, I won't fault the Raptors for winning. Like that's not how this works. Like there, there's a, if you want to do this, you can make an asterisk for every single team ever. And I don't, I don't like doing that. Like that kind of takes, takes the fun out of everything. Doesn't it? So again, I don't fault the Lakers for all at all for this. And anyways, the Heat put up a good fight regardless. Like six games is that's fine. Like that that's a that's a competitive final series. And not to mention they did it without Bam for uh, what one or two games and Dragic for basically the whole series. And they won one without both of them. Um, I guess just at the end of the day, you know, like the Heat already struggled with they didn't really have a ton of guys to guard Davis and LeBron with Bam, and then you take Bam out, and then suddenly it's like, oh, here's Kelly Olynyk guarding Anthony Davis. And here's Jay Crowder guarding LeBron James. And I just, from my perspective, that, that doesn't seem like something you would want to do for more than like three minutes in a NBA basketball game. 
Uh, and frankly, I don't know if Myers Leonard or uh, Udonis Haslam are exactly going to solve that problem either. Um, yeah, so I mean, but even still, I mean, obviously the Heat put up a really good fight. Like I said, they won, picked off a couple there. And J- Jimmy's game five was absolutely insane. That was just ridiculous. He he put the entire team on his back and looked exhausted. Like I literally thought he was going to die at the end of the game. Um, and then he he very much looked like he died in game six. And again, I, I don't exactly blame him for doing so. Um, and I, I also just want, I would like to point out, because people like to crap on the Lakers a lot. And I don't necessarily feel like that's warranted. Um, this specific team, because obviously Anthony Davis and LeBron James are very, very good by themselves. So already you don't necessarily need the greatest roster of all time around those two guys, because those two guys are so, so good. But then you have... Alex Caruso, who I think get, there's like this counter movement to Caruso now because he's he's a very solid player, but he initially got hyped up so much because of what he looks like that there's like a, a now a stronger resurgence of people against that, saying that he's actually never been good to begin with, and they only like him. People only like him because he looks like Jingles. I don't think that's fair to him either. He plays very solid defense, is always cutting to the basket, always making these really energetic plays. Frankly, I think he would fit on the Heat quite well, actually, with the way that he plays. He just he fits everything they do so well. Um, so again, I like Caruso. KCP was incredible the whole final. Like guys like KCP playing the way they do is how you win finals. Like you have guys that can do that just out of nowhere, and he was good. And I'm not normally a big KCP guy, but I mean he sh- he showed up in the series that mattered most. That has to count for something, right? And then Danny Green was all right. I I, I can maybe give people Danny Green because again, offensively he was he was up and down as he normally is in the playoffs here. Um, but then, and then they have Rajon Rondo who was incredible in the finals. Again, playoff Rondo showed up again. And then Dwight Howard didn't exactly play well for the, uh, in the finals because I don't think it was necessarily the best matchup for him, but before in the playoffs, he was making a lot of contributions. So at the end of the day, if you have like a seven, eight man roster, that's f- filled with solid guys in LeBron James and Anthony Davis, like that's fine. Like that's a good team. I don't like those guys, those guys, it, it worked. It, like it worked obviously. So I just, I feel like people have been unfair to the Lakers supporting cast trying to um, perhaps, uh, what, what am I trying to say? Uh, make certain star players look better when it, that doesn't even need to be done, but whatever. I, I get, I just get, I get so tired of the, just the, the constant talk about legacy, the obsession with legacy and how you're going to be viewed after your career as opposed to just what's going on right now in your career. And it, it's, and I know this isn't exactly a unique talking point or anything, but like, I do, can we give... Now, here's what I'll say. Like, I still don't think this puts LeBron above Michael Jordan. That's all I'm going to say. I just, I don't think it does. And that's all I'm going to say about it. But can we go two minutes with LeBron winning an NBA finals before it immediately just dissolves into a Jordan LeBron cesspool of arguments just for once. Or like, can we talk about the bucks and not just immediately like find these trade destinations for Giannis and see like, what can they do to make this team better or what happened? Stuff like that. I don't know. I, I don't think I'm asking for too much, but I guess I just, the, the more and more I look at it, the, the more uh, tired, I guess I get with most basketball discussion. Um, yeah, this, I, I'm going to stop complaining about this because this is boring, but those are my thoughts. Um, so I just, I hope this heat team gets remembered 
remember it. Obviously, they got kind of a bad draw in the finals, but I mean, this Heat team was really, really good. Like they all just they synergized with each other so, so well, and they were so much fun to watch. I, I like obviously everyone will remember Jimmy's performance in Game Five, but I hope everyone remembers the rest of this team too because it was really fun. And I hope they don't just get lost in the annals of losing to LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Yeah, so that's my NBA stuff, I guess, for the rest of the season. Um, I, I Presumably, free agency will be coming up in the next couple months. I don't know when the draft is either. I think they're still trying to figure that out because from everything I've gathered, the when the season is going to start is up in the air and whatnot. So I may hold off on a lot of predictive NBA talk and everything until we have specific dates for when things are going down. So then I can get a better kind of timeline for how I want to dole everything out. So, yeah, it was uh, an interesting NBA season. Uh, certainly stressful for someone who's a Philadelphia fan. I, I didn't even talk about the whole Jimmy Butler breaking my heart with whatever. I don't, I don't even care. Anymore. Who cares anymore? Um, so, I mean, it was, it was definitely interesting. I'm, I'm really glad that they were able to get this bubble thing pulled off. Uh, hopefully they don't need to do it again. But, again, who knows? Um, so, yeah, it was a good season. And here's hopeful that next season can be uh, similar in terms of the number of teams that look like they can compete and everything. And I'm sure it'll be a bunch of fun. So, all right, here we go. I'm going to start the football stuff now. Here we go. NFL week six. Um, it's been a pretty fun season so far. I think uh, a lot of really fun games. Uh, I guess one could complain about the fact that uh, there are essentially maybe two or three good defenses in the NFL. Um, I wouldn't necessarily be making that complaint yet, just considering how early it is in the season. Everyone's still getting used to practicing and everything again. But um, we've had a lot of good games so far. I feel like um, there's a lot of pretty good teams too, which is nice. The NFC East sucks, which everyone generally seems to love. Um, yeah, so I'm going to go through just the, the three undefeated teams that we have so far. Uh, just kind of talk about, you know, like how I feel, like kind of how they're succeeding the way they are and um, how I feel about them, you know, going forward the rest of the season. So um, so I'll start with just Pittsburgh just because they were the first team on the standings. Um, and just obviously the first thing you have to talk about with Pittsburgh is just their defense is so, so good because they're – oh, my God, their front, their front seven is just ridiculous. They're, they're number one in the league in – rushing yards allowed i'm pretty sure it's not really all that close uh, these guys they just they stop everybody like and I, obviously i can tell you all the names that they have in here it, it, it's ridiculous they have devin bush they have cam hayward stuff on to tj watt bud dupree's finally figured everything out after all that time uh and those are just the guys in the front seven right and then we can talk about mike hilton and minka fitzpatrick who have been excellent so far this season i mean they've just been they've been so good I, it's it's terrifying, honestly. I'm very glad the Patriots don't have to play them this year. Um, so, And that's why I'm, I'm very curious to see how this game against the Titans will go because this is very much unstoppable force meets immovable object. Ugh, God, I can't talk. Immovable object in Derrick Henry. So that, that'll be very, very interesting to see. Um, and honestly, you know, I, I don't know how much more needs to be said about this Pittsburgh defense because, again, the, the front is just so, so good in, in so many different ways. They've already got how many – they already have 24 – that can't be real. They have 24 sacks already? That cannot be real. They have 24 sacks already. Oh, my God. So, yes, they, they are – they're doing quite well. They have eight interceptions already. I have to be making this up, right? There's there's no freaking way. They have 24 sacks and eight picks already. That's crazy. Okay, anyways. Um, 
Yeah, so they've been really, really good. And again, I think it's it's very important to notice that once ever since Fitzpatrick has been there, the secondary has cleaned itself up quite nicely. I mean, we saw the pick six against the Browns, but just in general, like they they're just they're so much tighter in coverage with him being able to do all the things that he does. He's so he's been he's been really good to help out Hayden, I think. Um, yeah. And then I remember going into the season, I said that Big Ben made me a little nervous just because, you know, I, I, I guess I do this every year with Big Ben, but he's getting older and his play style hasn't always been conducive to staying healthy. Um, and he tore, what, three ligaments connected to his elbow. So who knew how that was going to turn out? And he's been pretty good so far. Um, I wouldn't say he's been lighting the world on fire or anything, but he only has one pick on the year. Uh, he's taken eight sacks, which I guess is – that's fine. That's a little, that's a little over one a game. You know, you can live with that. Um, now his deep ball certainly hasn't been great. I don't have the stat, but I believe Mina Kime said on Twitter, he, he had the last lowest percentage in the league of uh, catchable deep balls thrown, which is not great, obviously, but I, he had, at least he, I, he wasn't taking very many of them for sure. Um, but he looked a lot better with it last week when they played the Browns, at least in little spurts there. So maybe that's something that'll, get better and perhaps with more chase Claypool that'll help too which is also my was my next point is they just they have a ton of really good weapons in the passing game to help him out in the event that his arm ever did fall off which it hasn't yet so far um i i will say it's a little worrying that juju hasn't quite looked himself lately he's only averaging eight and a half yards a catch on the season and he has like 140 yards less than chase Claypool. Now, that may just be more because Chase Claypool is awesome, but Juju certainly hasn't quite looked the same as he did uh, two years ago or even last year. Um, but, I mean, obviously they still have – they have James Washington, who's flashed a little bit here and there with all the athleticism that he has. Deontay Johnson, when he's been healthy, has been pretty solid. Um, and then, you know, James Conner just keeps doing his thing. I don't think he's anything spectacular, but he gets the job done, works with that O-line really well. Um so, yeah, so the offense has been pretty good, at least good enough to take advantage of this defense that gives them all these great opportunities. Um, I, I will say, again, I, if Juju doesn't step up, that'll make me a little worried just because after that, again, like Claypool has been like really, really good, but I still think they would want one more like dominant passing threat because I'm not exactly scared by Eric Ebron or Vance McDonald here. But again, this team's just really, really good. Uh, next up would be Tennessee. And I have some numbers to share with you guys that I find to be quite interesting. Ryan Tannehill's 16 games with the Titans, a full season's worth of games with the Tennessee Titans. He has 70.2% completion percentage, 8.96 yards per attempt, 4,112 yards, 35 touchdowns, and eight picks. That sounds like an MVP caliber season to me. He's been really, really good. Now, and look, I'm not exactly, I'm not exactly a huge fan of the Titans right now because of all the nonsense that they were just doing while they were suspended with the practices and everything. But I, I have difficulty denying the the ability that Tannehill has showed off since he's been with Tennessee. He's he's really, really good off of play action. I don't quite understand what it is because I I don't believe that Derrick Henry play actions are that much better than regular people play actions where he can just find these guys, but he does. And he's just, he's so good looking up at the field. Once he has that extra time with play action, it's, it's really, really remarkable. 
Um, Derrick Henry decided to show up early this year, I guess, with what he did last week against the Texans. Helped my fantasy team a lot. Um, Derrick Henry's just, he's so weird because obviously he doesn't exactly, when he comes off the, the snap, he doesn't look super fast or anything. But then he has these, he's got what, three 90, 94 plus yard touchdowns now where he gets going. And then if he gets any chance to actually build up some speed, these guys don't catch him, which it, it, it's so weird. Like it, it's very much like he's like a, he just takes his time to build up his accelerate. Like he doesn't have a great acceleration or anything. Well, I guess what's he's just, yeah, he, he doesn't have great acceleration, but if you give him the time to accelerate, he's going to get there like to that speed where these guys just don't can't catch him or will not tackle him at that speed. He's just, he's so fascinating. I wouldn't say, I would say Tannehill's been the MVP of the team so far, but if he, if Derrick Henry looks more like that, obviously he's not going to have 200 yards every, every game, obviously. But if he looks closer to that than he did against, than his game against Buffalo, like that, this may be a legitimate exception to the running backs can't exactly win MVP anymore. That, so I, I, I'd like to see how this goes because this is just, it's ridiculous what this dude has been able to do in this day and age as a running back. Um, all right, anyways, I, I've been talking about Derek Henry for too long. Um, secondary hasn't exactly been great. Um, Malcolm Butler, uh, from what I've seen, has been a little up and down in terms of his coverage abilities and whatnot, but. I really like this team's pass rush just in general. They have Jeffrey Simmons and Harold Landry and Jan Brown and Jadavion Clowney. Like they have all these really ferocious pass rushers and they're not necessarily getting a ton of sacks right now. Obviously that's never really been Clowney's game, but they, they do, they just do a lot of really good attacking the pocket and they have a ton of tackles for loss and everything. And they need they need that because, uh, like I said, their secondary has not been great in the games that they've played so far. The points-wise, they haven't exactly been glowing here. They've given up 14, 30, 30, 16. Against, and against the Bills, that was a very solid game, obviously, uh, and 36. So two pretty good games and three pretty not great games, especially against the Texans. That was, that was a little rough there in the second half. But, I mean, as long as the offense can keep up with them, like, you know, what are you going to do? Um, this team, th- this team is really good, and I, I regret just assuming they were just going to be like, yeah, like same as last year. Like I, I should have been more open to the idea of these guys being more successful because this this team rocks. Like they're they're a lot of fun to watch. Um, yeah, so I would keep watching the Titans. And honestly, again, their their division is not fantastic. Like the Colts are certainly a little bit rougher on the edges than I would have expected them to be. Jacksonville is terrible. And, oh, my God, who else is in the division? Uh, oh, and the Texans are still terrible, even without Bill O'Brien. So, I mean, they have a legitimate pathway here to get the, the division relatively easily. Um, so I would imagine we're going to be seeing a lot of Tennessee this year. And last but not least is the Seattle Seahawks. Um, and I, I haven't been able to talk about this yet on the podcast, actually, because, again, I'm the worst and I don't upload anything ever. But, I mean, what Russell Wilson has done this year is – ungodly like just the the rainbows he will throw 50 yards down the field to an open dk metcalf or tyler lockett it's just insanity like legitimately again he played the patriots secondary who's a very very good like the best secondary in the league i would say and these guys were covered and he just threw the perfect throws every single time like it it makes no sense i mean the the lowest points these guys have scored all season is 27 
It's ludicrous. God, they've been so good. Chris Carson's gotten involved in the passing game a lot more. Like the, this offense, man, is just it's rolling. And, and the Seahawks O line has been it's been better. It it has been better. Like Russ is not running for his life like he has in the past. Um, also worth noting is uh, Russ seems to be involved in the run game a little bit more. Like obviously they're not doing designed runs or anything, but he seems a little bit more willing to scramble than I remember him being in the last couple of years. So that, that's another element too that helps a lot. Um, yeah, I mean, DK Metcalf's ascension has been, it's been really, really remarkable. I still, I still don't think any of my, uh, criticisms of him have been, uh, unfounded or anything. Like he still essentially just runs deep and makes like some contested catches. Like he just happens to fit this system so perfectly that it, it works. It works so well. Um, yeah, and I, and that's what you got to do, right? It, it, good coaches will find these roles for their guys and put them to their strengths. And DK Metcalf's strengths are really, really good. Oh my God, he's he's averaging ninety nine yards a game. That yeah, that's insane. Um, yeah, so I guess you you would prefer perhaps that they get more production out of Greg Olson and Will Disley, but again, we're we're nitpicking at this point with how good Russ has been. Like that's not really an issue. The defense, on the other hand. Been a bit of an issue. Um, the last month of football that they've played, they've won by five, seven, eight, and one. No thanks to their defense here. Um, I think everyone's fears of what was going to happen are pretty much uh, true, right? I mean, they, they've won. I just said that. Um, they've given up 25, 30, 31, 23, and 26. Not exactly ideal. And considering one, two, three, Three, four of these games have come down to the wire. It's it's usual Seahawks football, but it's just never a philosophy of game that I'm comfortable seeing on a consistent basis. Um, they just they have no pass rush except for that Dallas game, seemingly when they got those two sacks exactly when they needed them. And the secondary again is is not exactly scaring anybody. Jamal Adams has been now. I know they've had some injuries in the secondary and everything, but Jamal Adams has certainly been overtaxed uh, in coverage which I suppose could make you question if someone like that deserves all that money in the first place. I don't know. That's probably not my place to ask, but uh, Jamal Adams. So, I mean, Jamal Adams has been asked to do too much on the coverage side of things. And Quandre Diggs hasn't been quite himself. Neither has Trey Flowers. Um, Seahawks fans seem to be confident the secondary can figure things out. I guess we'll see. The pass rush is obviously still a problem though. And just the front seven in general. Like if I was a Seahawks, I probably wouldn't feel super comfortable unless I was able to trade for someone on the edge. I don't exactly know who that would be at this point in time. Um, and obviously, Jadavion Clowney wasn't exactly enough for them last year to help figure everything out. But I, I do think they need to do something because that's a little worrying to me that they've been able to – like Russ, Russ has had streaks like this before, and then obviously he doesn't always – he doesn't keep it up, and that that will hurt them if he does not keep up this level of play with the defense at hand. Um, with that said, I do think Russell Wilson has been the MVP so far this season. Uh, behind him would be Aaron Rodgers and Ryan Tannehill. Um, also interesting that I thought was worth noting is Schefter. Adam Schefter seems to think that uh, Antonio Brown is going to be a logical landing spot. Or Oh my God, why did it? The Seattle Seahawks are going to be a logical landing spot for Antonio Brown. I don't think that exactly changes anything in terms of how they've played. I guess here's what I'll say. Like, like I said, Russell Wilson has had these stretches before, like the second half of 2015 come to mind where he's just out of his mind. So good. And then he doesn't keep it up because it's really, really hard to keep it up. 
I guess I would say that if Antonio Brown were to sign with anyone, not that I would necessarily uh, approve of that, um, he would allow them to maintain perhaps this level of play, offensive play throughout a whole season, as opposed to just this like this month or two long spurt that Russell Wilson is going to have. Um, obviously, does not solve their problems on defense because it is it is really hard to be, play as well to play much better than Russ has been playing. Um, but I think it would allow them to keep playing this high wire act more consistently throughout the year. So I guess we'll have to see how that goes. That's something I will be watching for sure. Um, just off the top, of my, and obviously these three teams may not necessarily be the best three teams because you know the Chiefs are still lurking or the the Bucks or the Packers. But these guys haven't these guys haven't lost yet, and I think these three, unlike the Bears, have all had pretty legitimate wins and everything. So uh, of the three of these, I would say Pittsburgh's probably the best, just because their defense is act like their whole defense is really good, and their offense is above average. Like they have both sides of the ball, they have pretty solid units there. So I guess I would just go with Pittsburgh as the more well-rounded team. Um, obviously I still think these other two teams are really good. Um, and we'll see how Pittsburgh and Tennessee play next week. That, that'll be a, just a really, really fun chess match. I think to watch, um, not that that'll change my opinion one way or the other on any of these teams, but all right. So those are the three undefeated teams. Um, and then I'll take a quick break here and then we'll, uh, wrap it up with the uh, coaches. I'll start off with Bill O'Brien because this is a momentous occasion. Uh, after years of roster mismanagement, uh, Bill O'Brien finally gets the boot from the Texans organization. I got to say, I was a little shocked that they did this. Um, if only because, look, I, you know, I've been as quick to make fun of this dude's moves as much as anybody over the last year and a half or so. But at this point, I guess I, I would wonder if people wouldn't, if the owners wouldn't think. He's already dug a hole here. We might as well see what he was intending to do. Even just for this season, maybe. Obviously, things weren't going very well. But I don't know. Like, if he lost the locker room, I guess that's another thing. But um, I guess just it, seemingly he had his, his vision set up here. And there's really nothing they can do to get out of it. So it, you may have well perhaps have just seen what it ended up being. But that may be a little misguided on me. I'm, I'm not totally sure. But, again, as, as I've said in the past, I mean, the, I, I think he's a perfectly fine coach. Like, I, I, I can tell you, I would hate working for him just based on everything that I've seen about his style of leadership, whatever. But it seemed to have worked, at least, when it, he was just the coach. I mean, they always had, like, a competent offense with him at the helm. And I, and I know their division was pretty terrible for most of those years there. But, I mean, he was always very solidly – nine and seven, 10 and six, and just willing to, um, and he, you know, there was a, there was a steady floor there, which I'm sure could be appreciated by fans. I, so again, I think he was a fine, I think he was an all right coach, but again, the problem was his talent evaluation and runner of a franchise. It, I mean, good God, just so bad. So, so bad. Um, you know, just the, the overpays and the trades and just the complete lack of understanding of positional value and just everything. I mean, there was just, he was very clearly in over his head. I mean, and you hear the reports coming out about the DeAndre Hopkins thing, like a ton of guys didn't even know he was on the market. And like, he, he very clearly didn't shop around very much. Like, I, I mean, he was, he was going to cause more harm than good as, uh, as a GM. 
So again, they needed to nip it in the bud, probably probably for the best, I guess. Um, I don't think they're exactly going to turn it around with Romeo Cornell at the helm because again, this this defense has a ton of problems, and the offense has looked interestingly competent the last few the last few weeks, given Brandon Cooks' health. And when Fuller stayed healthy, which is great. Fuller, Will Fuller, I love Will Fuller. He's been awesome this year. Um, and he stayed healthy, which is really important. And Brandon Cooks looks healthy too, which I guess surprises me a little bit. Um, so, I mean, th- there's a baseline of passing game competency there if those two guys can stay healthy and do what they've been doing so far with Watson. Um, David Johnson hasn't exactly looked great. Uh, some people would try and argue that it's because uh, – all he does is just run it up the middle and that's not exactly efficient. But if you look at his up the middle stats, I believe he's averaging 3.3 yards per carry running it up the middle. And that's like 30th among all running backs. So that's still not great. Um, so that that's worked out about as exactly as could have been expected. Um, I guess they'll, they'll be fine. Like they'll be whatever. Uh, they're better than Jacksonville. So, I mean, they're not going to finish. They're not going to be tanking for Trevor or anything. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, this is a good place for them to, I guess, to jump ship. Um, it's just, it's, it's very strange. It's finally happening. Cause I just assumed he had so much job security and now he's gone, gone with the wind, I suppose. Um, and it looks like they have Jack Easterby in charge for now, um, who was with Bill O'Brien. So I guess I'm curious if they'll be willing to hold on to him for much longer, uh, or if he's going to be running the show, who knows? Maybe they try and get Nick Casario again. Um, but that's more of an offseason thing. So, Bill O'Brien, we'll miss you. Good luck wherever you go, college or whatever you end up doing. Just don't come to the Patriots, please. Thank you. <laughs> uh, okay, so Bill O'Brien's gone. And then Thomas Dimitrov and uh, Dan Quinn are gone too, which is this is less surprising, obviously. Uh, they, they've just been – they've really been struggling since uh, – what is it? what was that, 2017 or so? I mean, they just like – the offense was good, but I mean, they, they always, you know, they have their moments where they need to be better than they are. Um, and then the defense just, they, they just can't feel the competent defense. Like the Dimitrov thing, like I get it now. Like I looked, I, I looked it up and they've had Dimitrov has been there for 13 years. They have extended one D lineman that they've drafted. They've offered one contract extension to a D lineman that they drafted. I don't remember who it was. It was, it was from a while ago. But well, that's concerning, right? If you can't you can't build a defense at its foundations, I mean, you're just you're never going to be able to win with that. I mean, their their secondary's been atrocious all year. Their run defense hasn't exactly been any better. They just they just can't get it done on that end for whatever reason. Dimitrov can never figure it out, and that was always to their detriment. And without like and Matt Ryan, I think has been pretty solid this year, but without an offense helmed by Kyle Shanahan, I mean, what success have they really been able to have? Um, so I, and I, I just, I think it's time. I mean, the, as it, for a defensive minded head coach too, I mean, the defense has just looked too listless for too long. I mean, obviously like remember the, the best the defense looked was when Dan Quinn stopped calling plays for a little while last year. And that's a problem, obviously. Um, now these guys, it gets interesting because they are, what is their record? I want to say they are one and five. Let's take a look. The Atlanta Falcons are one and five. They, yeah, they just beat the Vikings, forty to twenty-three. Um, so I, they're they're at an interesting crossroads here because their schedule. Let's see, they have to play. They still have to play the Bucks twice. They have to play the Chiefs, 
The Chargers, who look good. The Saints, who I'm not totally sure about. They still have to play the Saints twice. The Broncos, Panthers, Lions, Raiders. Okay, so they, they'll most likely get three or four more wins here, I would imagine. But I guess it gets interesting because if you're the Falcons and you end up with the number one pick, why – I guess I – I struggle to see why it wouldn't be better for them to try and offload or not, not even offload. You would be taking a big cap hit from Matt Ryan's contract, but I don't see why you wouldn't take that and flip him for some marginal asset for a quarterback. That's his age and build around Trevor Lawrence. It just, it seems perhaps like the most pragmatic thing to do. Maybe you keep Julio, maybe you don't, but it seems like they're heading in the direction where it may make more sense to get what you can for the guys that they have and just kind of restart. But that's just my perspective. So who knows? I'm not exactly a football savant or anything. Yeah. So, okay. So that's the NFL from this week. Um, hopefully next week I can get more in depth on like more of the games and everything rather than just like three of the teams that played. So yeah, so that'll be good. Um, no, you know what? I'm not. I'm not promising that I'm gonna be back next week. I can't do this to myself anymore. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. So, okay. So maybe I'll be back next week. Maybe I'm not. Who's to say? All right, guys. So as always, the SQ Podcast be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, and anywhere else you can get your podcast. Thanks for watching, guys. Uh, share it. Leave a review. Like anything else. And I'll see you when I see you.